Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. You know, we'd all like to be comfortable, but as we know, that is not where the best things happen. And we're going to share a story of getting outside our comfort zone today. And then I'm going to discuss an old phrase and apply it to our running and our faith. And then we're going to talk about a bunch of other stuff. And we'll discuss all that with joining me is Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. It's Friday starts fall. Isn't that great? Did you know that? Wow. No, I didn't I'm know I'm ready that. for it. I have not. We've been getting out enough. and walking some in the evenings, and man, it just feels so good. This so morning, walked outside. It was about 6.30, 7 o'clock. Good gravy. It just felt good. I mean, it's, it felt so good outside. It's almost cold right now. Yeah, I mean, just you, you I, like I actually had a long sleeve shirt on yeah. early this morning, and so it's um, yeah, feeling good. Woo. My time of year. Yeah. Hey, before we get started, let's talk about our sponsor for this week. SecureMac.com are the makers of the popular security software MacScan 3. This software protects your computer from the threats targeting Macs, which are malware, keystroke loggers, and stalkerware. People nowadays are storing more and more of their information on their Macs, which provides an ever-growing target for hackers. SecureMac has been educating users about security and privacy for over 20 years now. They even have a podcast to inform users on how to protect themselves online, and they can sp- explain it in a way that everyone can understand. To try a free scan today, when you're ready to purchase, enter the code RUNNER for a special discount. Protect your Mac from the hackers. To try to steal your security, and go to securemac.com today. Um, yeah, so uh, you mentioned on here Nicholas Raba, who is the founder of Secure Mac. He's part of Run Club. Yeah. He's one of us, so uh, he does a he does a great job with his software, and um, yeah, we're just glad to have Nicholas and his whole team as part of part of Run Club. He occasionally sends me a helpful email, uh, really, yeah, with some good feedback or yeah. suggestions and things like that. So yeah, yeah, good good fellow. So uh, before we get going, you, you came in here this morning, and I've I've got to know you. I said, how was your weekend? You said, man, it's been a whirlwind of thirty six hours or something. And I said, what happened? You said, we'll talk about it on the podcast. So let's talk about it now. What yeah. happened? Yeah. Well, um, so Friday night, uh, yeah. I was, I got, it was in the evening and I made myself a mixed up, I bought, put all the ingredients in my mixer to make a, a shake, which I do frequently. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I forgot about it. So it sat there on the mixer overnight. Well, Saturday I came in and I was going to make a shake. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, it's just it's just fruit and stuff, and there's some almond milk in there, but almond milk wouldn't go bad, right? And so I thought, surely it's okay. I kind of opened it up. I smelled it, and I thought, it doesn't smell bad. So I decided to go ahead and mix it up <laughs> and drink it. And I have discovered that it is not a good idea <laughs> to leave that overnight and then mix it up the next day because I had a rough overnight. I didn't. I didn't sleep at really? all. Saturday night, my stomach was torn up. I could not 
That's could, like Russian. That's like smelling the milk and it kind of doesn't smell right, but you're thinking, well, it's okay. That's like Russian roulette, Dean. Well, I, I got the bullet this time. You should have known better than <laughs> I that. I should have. And, you know, here's my problem. My problem is, you know, I, I, I'm always trying to save a dollar and save a penny here and there. And so it's like the thought of throwing that out just made my skin crawl a little bit and so i thought ah, surely it'll be okay <laughs> that's not the th that is not at all what i thought it was gonna be yeah i thought it was gonna be something else oh whoa boy it was wow so uh don't don't mix something up and drink it the next day if it's not been put in the fridge is what well, you're saying it was never mixed up it was just sitting there waiting to be mixed up so uh yeah i don't know so what do you what was in it that you think got you i the don't almond know milk? i don't think the almond milk would uh, because I it's usually it's usually fine i've drank almond milk after a, sitting out a day and it's been fine um and the fruit was the fruit was frozen stuff when i put it in there obviously it wasn't frozen when i got out the one thing that i think it may have been it might have been the yogurt there was some yogurt oh in there. for sure yeah so i think the yogurt that's dairy got me yep so but i made it all right i made it through <laughs> i'm fine so you won't die if you do it you'll just get you will, not have a good weekend. You will get terribly sick, and you will not be able to go far from a bathroom. And you won't do it again. And I won't do it again. Wow. Absolutely. So now that everybody knows, that's a good way to start my Monday to <laughs> have that picture in my head. Thanks, Dean. Well, we'll talk about our uh, Facebook post from last week. It comes from Melissa Rotarius. She said, so grateful to get a run in today. It felt so good. I have been having issues with my knee and hip for a while now. The 10-mile race two weeks ago finally aggravated whatever was going on to the point I could not take more than a few strides without sharp pain and then instantaneous swelling. After my long runs, my entire body would go into stress mode where my heart rate would stay elevated for several hours and would hurt just touching my skin. At first, I thought it was I was being weak and I needed to tough it out, as dad would say. But after five days of rest, I realized how much pain I was actually in, and it was a clear sign I needed to let my body heal, so I took another week off. Just a couple shorter runs to test the waters. Praise God. I am so glad I did. I felt great this morning. Still not 100%, but I think I am able to continue with the half marathon training. Also went for an echocardiogram based on an abnormal EKG test result. My doctor says my heart rate is low. Waiting on test results, hoping to get some answers. God bless Run Club. Hmm. Wow, that's a great post by Melissa. You know, she she mentions that EKG test at the end. I think you knew this. Maybe we've talked about it, but you know, Lane had some abnormal abnormal heartbeats um, several years back. He was actually about to go out of the country for a race, and uh, they have to get an EKG every year for USA Triathlon, and something abnormal was coming back with his heart and we went to a cardiologist and they explained that some athletes will have he, he dumbed it down for me i'm sure but he basically said it's an extra beat and if you don't if you if you just typically do echocardiograms on the general population that will show up as a red flag but after he did whatever he did and and knowing lane's history it's basically just another an extra beat hmm. because the heart is is so healthy maybe I, I don't know but he basically chalked it up to nothing so basically when lane goes to get an ekg now he has to do it at a cardiologist he can't do it at a doctor's office because it'll pick that abnormal huh. heartbeat up but it's not a bad thing 
yeah it's actually a good thing so wow. that, that kind of reminded me of that you yeah know, not saying that's what not a doctor by any means melissa uh but that just made me think of that yeah well and hopefully she gets an answer like that that it's it's something that's not a bad thing yeah um, but we're seeing this more and more especially right now people talking about how good it feels in the runs yeah you know it's 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 great when you tough it out through the summer you do all the 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 hard workouts the the long running those long days in the heat and it pays off this time of year. yeah it just feels so good when you get out there yeah well, I like that she tries to tough it out at first, right? She tries to, right. to, to keep going, and I think that's a good thing to do. There's a lot of people who, as soon as they start to feel anything abnormal, they just stop. Right. And, I mean, is that okay? It's not bad. It just depends on your where you are in your journey and that kind of thing. But I like the idea of just trying to push through it a little bit, and let's see if it's a big deal. Sure. And, and if I find out it's a big deal after a couple of days of pushing through it, then fine, and I'll take yeah. some time off. But. Um, but I like that. Sometimes it's really obvious we should take time off. Of course, you know, sometimes it's so acute that mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I got to take some time off yeah. and that's fine too. But, uh, but yeah, don't be afraid to try to, to try to push through something every once in a while, just especially when it's just extra soreness or whatever. I know a lot of people who they'll run, especially with marathons, they'll run marathons and they'll be really, really, really sore for weeks. Mm -hmm. And they're afraid to get out and run because they're afraid they're going to hurt themselves further. But what I have found is if I'll get out there when I am sore like that, it's actually good for me. Yeah, it's to make the soreness subside a little bit, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, and, and, and here's one of the things I thought about with this post is that we live in a society these days where people exaggerate everything, you know? Yeah. You, you have these people who, they don't have a cold. They always have the worst cold ever yeah <laughs> you know the people who don't have a sore quad i know a few it's, of those people it's yeah it's the it's the it's it's the worst quad it's not just a sore quad you know i've i've pulled a muscle and i've got you know i've got all sorts of you know that person right we've all seen that person <laughs> and we have to be careful that we don't make things out to be worse than they are because a lot of times i think we, we we have a tendency to do that right. sometimes and it depends on the personality i know other people who are on the other end of that spectrum you're probably one of them where when it when th when something starts to hurt, you're like, ah, it'll be fine. And you gotta be careful with that. I, 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 too. I, I specifically remember a stress fracture from running <laughs> with some guy that was faster than me for too long, and I just ignored. I, I even said, I even made the comment to this guy. I said, I feel like somebody kicked me in the shin, and he's like, oh, I'll just keep going, and, and I did. Yeah, and it wound up being a stress fracture. But I don't know who that guy <laughs> yeah, is. I, you know? I wonder who that was. <laughs> You'd think he would have known better, wouldn't you? Yeah, you know what is it? What is it? They always say if if you're gonna be, if you're gonna be dumb, you got to be tough. Yeah, or something like yeah. that. Because yeah, well, yeah, that's it, me. It, it takes a little bit for it to sink in for me. So yeah, no question. All right. Well, we had a trivia question for last week, and it was it was this: For how long did Forrest Gump run when he ran across America in the movie Forrest Gump? I never thought about this, and I just happened to see an article on this, and so I thought it would be a great trivia question. Of course, this comes from the 1994 classic film Forrest Gump. If you haven't heard of it, then I don't know where you've been, but um, I know that is a number of years ago, so if you're younger, maybe mm -hmm. you haven't heard of Forrest Gump. I don't know, but at one point, he decides to go running in this movie, and according to Forrest in the movie, he just said, I just felt like running, <laughs> and... Uh, I get that feeling. Yeah. Uh, or sometimes I just feel like running. Um, anyway, he goes out and he just goes and starts running and he just keeps going. He starts in Greenbow, Alabama, which is where he's from. Um, and he went across the United States five times. 
And so if you look at the route and you look at the movie and you look at the key, the clues that are in the movie, the monuments he passes, the towns he's clearly in, and some of the things that are said, um, again, we know that he began running on October 1st, 1979, due to the fact that when Forrest runs past a cafe on his first day, we hear a radio announcement stating that President Carter has collapsed from heat exhaustion, which is the date that that happened. So they give you this, this clue, clue to tell you exactly the date that it starts. Um, and we know that he went from there, he went to Santa Monica. Um, mm-hmm. They say Santa Monica, that he went to Santa Monica. We just assume it's Santa Monica, California, and not somewhere else. Um, and then again, he continues, he goes back and forth. You see the scenery in the background as he's running. It just kind of, it's one of those, one of those scenes where it, it just plays a little bit of music and you, it, it's showing you some things. And so you see all of these things. And then eventually we know that he decides to stop in Monument Valley, Arizona, because he's clearly in Monument Valley when he just stops and says he thinks he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, so the film tells us that he ran for a total of three years, two months, 14 days and 16 hours. Not sure how they got the hours out of this, but that's what <laughs> this this analysis told us. Forrest Gump ran an estimated total of 15,248 miles during his five-time trip across the USA. He averaged 91 miles per week with an average speed of 0.54 miles per hour. This equates to 13 miles or 21 kilometers per day, which is slightly less than a half marathon per day. In total, throughout his three-year adventure, Forrest would have burned over 2 million calories just from running. And I think it's interesting. He wears these Nike Cortez shoes, mm-hmm. which were a thing in the early 70s. That was, a, that was well, it was one of the only running shoes back then. And that, if you put a pair of those on your feet, now you go, oh, these feel terrible. <laughs> They're not good running shoes. But back then, it's what they had. So kudos to the, the producers of that movie that, it is kind of realistic. I mean, you could somebody could do that. They could. They yeah. absolutely could. As a matter of fact, people have in much shorter time. Actually, <laughs> I'm waving at people <laughs> as they drive by. I didn't even think about it. That's good. Sorry, <laughs> rabbit trail. Uh, um, but Forrest says in the movie, he says those shoes, those must be comfortable shoes. I bet you could walk all day in shoes like those and not feel a thing. <laughs> Sounds like Forrest, right? Um, but anyway, that's. Uh, I was a little disappointed That's to find out he was only running 13 miles a day. Y- yeah. Because a lot of people have run across the United States and run a lot more than 13 miles per day. Right? That's 13 so, miles a day every day for, for three and a half years. Three and a half years. Yeah. That's, That's a lot. That is. That's, That's a lot. That's consistency right yeah. there. Yeah. But there's a lot of people. If we who, all had that consistency... We would do big things, wouldn't we? Well, we, that is, that's absolutely 13 true. 13 miles a day every day for three and a half years. Yeah, hmm. yeah. And uh, I imagine there, I don't know if there were any, we don't know, the movie doesn't tell us, there may have been break days in there. He yeah, may, He may have true. just taken a break for uh, a few days. See, I time. thought you were going to do a trick on us. I thought you were going to do a trick and say, well, Tom Hanks actually only ran half a mile in filming that. <laughs> Something like that. That would have been good. That's some good trivia, Dean. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to the Run for God Run Club podcast. Are you a member of the Run for God Run Club? If you're not, you should be. 
You not only get access to the video version of this podcast, but so much more. We have hundreds of videos from how-tos to inspirational stories, and you get discounts in the Run for God store, too. And there's so much more from training plans to all sorts of things. Maybe most importantly, you get access to the best online community that you will find anywhere. So not only should you subscribe to this podcast, rate it, and share it with your friends, but you should go to runforgod.com and join Run For God Run Club today. All right, we're back in... I got a couple of stories in the past week, so that's good. Um, some folks have submitted stories, and that's that's fantastic. We still need more. Don't let up. Mm-hmm. Um, we still need more. Uh, but but submit your story, runforgod.com. We, we, you write your story. You go in there, and it kind of guides you through submitting some questions and some scriptures. and It's really simple. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you haven't done it yet, get out there and go do it. Well, I saw an interesting post recently, um, and, and it was... I thought it was a great question, right? It, the, it basically said, if carbs and grains are so fattening, why are Asian people thinner than Americans? Because they eat noodles and rice at pretty much every mm-hmm. meal, right? And it's a great question, right? Um, and of course, I think that can be extended to other ca- cultures as well. The Kenyans are famously um, very carbohydrate heavy in their diets. Um, but And of course, they... The last I checked, they run pretty fast. Um, (laughs) And there's a couple of things I'd like to say about this. First, you know, one of the things that that was said over and over again in responses to this post was that it's all these processed foods that we eat. And I get it. We do eat probably more processed foods in America than anywhere else on the planet. That is a fact. But I got to thinking about it from this standpoint. There's only one nation in the world that is... Um, more obese than America, a higher percentage of obesity than Americans, and that's Mexico. Mm-hmm. Well, Mexico is not famous for eating a lot of processed foods. Um, so if the Mexicans are more obese than we are, then that must not be the number one reason, at least. It may be part of the reason, but it's right. not the number one reason. Um, and so that made me think, and I think, I think it's just portions. It absolutely is. I, I we think, were just having this conversation a few days ago. We were having lunch, and um, you, you just you you couldn't eat it all. I mean, you you and it, and it seems like it's that way everywhere you go nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you go to a fast food restaurant, the if you order like a combo or something. It starts at medium. It doesn't even start at small. And then it just goes up from there where it's like these gallon jugs of drinks they give you. And it's it's absolutely portion size. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you took that, even look at plates, even look at Chinaware nowadays. You know, back in the, I remember in going to my grandparents' house when I was young, a plate was. Nine or 10 inches. Eight, yeah, eight to 10 inches. Well, now they're 14 inches. Even the plates are bigger nowadays. Yeah. So. I think it's absolutely we we eat till we're stuffed too yep. many times. And speaking of the Asians, I mean they don't. They just don't. That's they right. They still have, you know what what is what is it called the tapas? Is it yeah is it top small plates? Yeah. You know that is 
we call it small plates in America, but that's the normal thing that's in right. other countries. It's, yeah. That's the normal serving size, but we call it, it's like a a thing you go to nowadays. It's kind of cool because it's little plates. Well, <laughs> that's probably the right serving size. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're really bad. I mean, we are. and we go, the reason why restaurants have such large portions is because we tend to go to those because sure. we like them because we feel like we're getting value for our right. money. At least that, that's the way I look at it a lot of times. And so, and, and then here's the other thing about going back to the processed foods idea, processed foods are lower in nutritional density. And so if, if you're eating a lot of that kind of food in order to get enough nutrition in your body, you have to eat more. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's the other thing where they kind of go together. But I think usually the answer, you know, Occam's razor, the most, the most simple explanation is probably the explanation. Sure. And I think that it's just calories in versus calories out, period. Yeah. We just eat too much. Uh, I bet, and I know this because I've heard people, I've, I haven't traveled internationally very much, but if you ask people who have, they'll tell you that the portion sizes are smaller sure. in every other country. Yeah. Well, this was a Facebook post that we thought was so good and it was very long. And so we thought we wanted to make it a story. This She posted this back a few months ago, I guess. And we thought, well, let's instead of using that as a Facebook post of the week, let's save it for later. Mm-hmm. We'll get some we'll add some uh, questions and some scripture references to it. And so that's what this is. Sure. Um, this comes from Michelle Christensen. Um, this is. So this is a story she didn't mean to write, but she wrote anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, Funny how that happens. I put a I put a um, title on it that says that is comfort can only be temporary. Good morning, friends. I haven't posted in here much lately, but I know you've seen Seth's post of his progress. This is going to be a somewhat long dedication to the goodness of God that I hope encourages somebody to keep fighting the good fight of faith and pursue long obedience toward their God dreams. It has been a challenging year in a few ways, and God is doing some new things. I wanted to share this with you all because it is a testament to God's goodness and faithfulness when we aren't sure if we can even or or even should take one more step. Have you ever just felt bone tired of the grind and asked God how much longer you should keep going in a certain direction? I think this is an even easier question to bring to our father when the unexpected losses, hurts, and challenges of life seem to progress from an annoying dripping faucet to a steady stream before it's repaired. In the chaos that surrounded the last few weeks, or maybe even months and years to be honest, I have felt my focus of being being obscured on some of the big things, like our run or walk for God training to prepare for our August races. It just felt like everywhere I turned, people were too busy or had other plans or were doing their own things, and even though I had scheduled it on our church calendar, I just assumed no one would come. I told my friend Becky, who has quite the testimony of healing in her family that started with Run for God two years ago, that something needed to shift and we might be changing our traditional meeting time. But I didn't have the answer at that moment, so we prayed. Lo and behold, God answered in two surprising ways. First, he used my daughter Abigail's new track friend, Ella. She had attended our church missions missions banquet back in April and expressed her interest in Run for God as it was on the list of ministry events we host for missions. 
She reached out more than once asking about when we were starting, and even though they had an out-of-town company visiting, she said she would be coming to the following meeting. The next thing caught me completely off guard because I don't always look at my Facebook memories. It has been a session of a season of releasing the past and healing forward. But yesterday afternoon, I just felt the nudge to check them. I was messaging people to see if they could come out after our Sunday night prayer service for our run for God meetup for the season to make summer plans. And there it was. I found a memory from 2014 where I had started training my teenage class at church to prepare for the 5K. Of course, yesterday was the exact date we started our training back in 2014. And of course, would you know that my friend Becky, who prayed with me, was in that Wednesday night church class. What was I thinking? This running newbie stepped out in faith with a heart fully submitted to God, retrained by the Holy Spirit after 12 years out of the sport with one care with one care of the details. I had never heard of Run for God and had been putting together my own program at the church for physical, mental, and spiritual health that we fondly called PMS, physical, mental, spiritual. (laughs) It was catchy for our ladies as it was born out of our women's ministry. Our poor assistant pastor had to talk about it every week. I'm sure he was very grateful that Run for God came into our church in 2018 after many desperate prayers for direction and a miraculous Facebook post that popped up advertising the program. At that time, I had almost completely lost my confidence and asked another person to teach it because I thought no one would come if I was the teacher. I'm recognizing a pattern here in this season. Boy, the enemy sure knows how to mess with us and play on our insecurities. I could say so much more, but the biggest message I want to leave you with is that we have to let God, we have to let God say when something is done by using, done being used by him. We may think we are too tired, out of ideas, or just plain confused on what forward looks like anymore, but God, be sure to pray and open your hands to him. But don't put a period where he only meant for there to be a comma, or he might just be writing the second book in a series with some new characters, new storylines, and exciting plot twists. I am praying that someone here chooses long obedience over temporary comfort. That someone keeps chasing down, that someone keeps chasing that God dream no matter how far away it still appears, that God gives you a new oil and fresh fire to fulfill his purposes on earth, and that you see the wonder-working hand of God in every faithful step. Keep moving forward, friends. Great job, Michelle, even though she didn't know that this was going to become a story. You know, Michelle and Seth, they're the ones that come down to the Hawkins 10K every year. That's right. And bring the cheese curds from Wisconsin. <laughs> That's So uh, it's funny how we associate people with things. and uh, The cheese curd they're, people. They're cheese curd people, yeah. <laughs> uh, but great people. I mean, gosh, you just can't help to love them, but love them to death. I mean, For sure. It's, Seth is, is one of those souls that he's quiet, kind of sheepish, but I just love to talk to him. Mm-hmm. He's such a, a cool guy to talk to. Yes. Um, so, well, the, the evil one's working overtime to discourage us at all times. He sure. puts these thoughts in our mind, and all these discouraging thoughts that Michelle talks about here. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are all things that that's all it is. It's just Satan trying to put these thoughts in, in your head, and we have to be careful with that. 
Um, and, and the other thing is we see people who are confident or appear confident and we, we, we think they never have doubts, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people look at me from a, a running standpoint and they think, well, he does never have to doubt himself. Well, yeah, 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 I do. I may not be doubting whether or not I'm going to finish a race, but I'm doubting whether I can hurt as bad as I want to, to run the time I want to run or beat the person that I want to beat or there are doubts in there. Well, and the thing we got to understand is, is I think where the devil a lot of times uses doubt is in fear is that, you know, sure. I may look at you and say, well, Dean never has a problem with his running. He, he never gets discouraged in that. And you may be right, but the devil will make you think that because Dean doesn't doubt in his running, that he doesn't struggle anywhere in his life. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, I may, I may not have a, I may not have problems in the areas where you have problems. That's right. And that's, that's why so many times we've got to talk these things out. We, hmm. the devil wants to keep us silent because he doesn't want you to know that, yeah, Dean, Dean struggles. He doesn't struggle in his running, but he struggles here. Mm-hmm. Well, I may not struggle in that place, but I struggle in my running. So that is a that is a perfect match for a conversation. You encourage me in in this area that I struggle with, and I encourage you in that area that you struggle with. That is that is the body of Christ. But the evil one wants to keep us silent mm-hmm. about these things, and everybody go to their own corners and think that they're the only ones dealing with these situations. And, you know, you, we hear so much about mental health in this country right now. And, and you know, it's sure it's it's blown up in ways that probably shouldn't be. But at the end of the day, I'm convinced that the mental health issues in this country today are we are lonelier than we've ever been, especially mm-hmm. young people. They get it's on true. their they get on their phones and they think they're the only ones dealing with this thing. And that yeah. because those pictures that I'm seeing are perfect, they don't struggle with anything. Meanwhile, that person that is portraying to be perfect on the other end, they're thinking, I'm having to do all these things to appear perfect when I know I'm not. When the answer to the many of the problems, and I'm not oversimplifying the, the mental health issues that we have in our country today, but most of it can be boiled down to we just don't have human interaction anymore. Yeah. Quality human interaction. Yes, Facebook friends are not your friends. Yeah. Let's let's put that out there. Instagram followers, they're not your friends. You need to interact with people. I saw a post. I'm sorry, I'm getting on a rabbit trail with this. But I saw a post the other day, and it was talking about a, a, a daughter who she had an elderly father. You might have saw this. And um, she... Uh, she went to pick him up on a Saturday morning. He wanted to, he wanted her to take him to the grocery store, and to the bank, and buy McDonald's. I think is what it was, uh, to get something to eat. And um, they, she did all that, and it took the majority of the day to do all that. Mm-hmm. And they come home, and and the daughter sat dad down, and she said, "Dad, you know, I'm going to show you some things that would really help you." And she started to show him, you know, online banking. And how you can get your groceries delivered, and we have DoorDash nowadays. And, and he stopped her and he said, "Look, he said, what you don't understand is when I walked into the bank, I saw five friends that I haven't seen all week. When I went into the grocery store, I got to talk to the cashier and encourage her and leave her a tip. And then I went to McDonald's and I saw some more friends, 
He said, if I didn't go do that, yes, it took all day long, but that is my mental health. Yep. That is what keeps me going. And if you take all of that away, I'm lonely and sitting in this house. Yep. And I know I went down a rabbit trail there, but, that, but that's it, so true. It, at the end of the day, it's human interaction. It's it's going to church and interacting with other believers. It's getting involved in Bible studies and having those close, intimate relationships. Whether it's run for God or it's something else, yeah. Surround yourself with like-minded people, and the mental health issues that plague our country will flee. Yep, that's true. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Of course, we've talked about this verse a number of times. And the one thing that struck that that kind of stood out to me this time was the first word, trust. Mm. You know, trust is a really tough word these days. Even the experts we have found out over the last few years, they're just not trustworthy. Sure. And so... When all these people around us are not trustworthy, the, the idea of trust has just kind of been so eroded, right? And so trust, obviously, is the basis for all relationships, mm-hmm. right? I mean, what if you didn't trust your wife? That right. The people who wind up having terrible marriages are the ones that don't, they don't trust each other, sure. right? And so we, we, have to, we have to trust, and it's the same with God, and if if we don't have trust in him, then the rest of that verse doesn't mean anything. And the thing about it is, is, you know, with, with my wife, I have every reason to trust her, mm-hmm. right? Cause she's proven over and over and over again that, that I should trust her with anything. And it's the same with God. He has proven over and over and over again that we have every reason to trust him. And so we should. And that's, this whole idea of trust is, is one of the trust and truth are two two words that that have really been a big deal to me recently. And um, I, I like what the Jewish folks do. You know, they have this festival of booths where once one time a year they they basically build themselves a, a booth, a tent, a, a structure and they live in it. They camp out in it for uh, I think it's a week and they do this to remind themselves of what what happened when and how God provided while the Jews were out in the wilderness. Mm. And it's such a that's a great idea. And I think we all need to at some point in time, at least once or twice a year, take a step back and really evaluate why should I trust God? Right. And you'll find all sorts of reasons, right? Well, and yeah, I mean, kind of we we talked about this verse last night. We we went through this podcast as a family last night and this this verse is really the nexus of what you believe because how do you hear from god or how do you how do you audibly hear from god for me i read the bible out loud Mm -hmm. that that is audibly hearing god speak and if we believe that the bible is the inerrant word of god if it's god speaking to us and we know that he is sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient, all the O's, then what do we do with this verse? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That's where we trip up so many times Mm -hmm. because we want to go to what's logical. You know, we were talking um, last night, Lane, he's injured again. And 
you know, going down to some of the questions, and we'll probably come back to this, but one of the questions is, do you, I don't remember what the question was down below, but anyway, Lane was talking about how um, his his understanding of the situation is different than what he feels God is calling on his life. And so many times it's when it's when our our understanding, but what we know God is probably saying, what God is saying is different. It's the question is, where do you fall? Do you fall to your own understanding or do you go to God? Because it says, in all your ways submit to me, submit to him and he will make your path straight. It doesn't say he'll make your path easy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make say it's going to be, you know, flowers and roses. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. So I love this verse because it really hits it at the, the heart of what, what do you believe? Do you believe everything you say you believe? If so, live by this verse. Yeah. But yeah. That's, that's easier said than done. It is. Habakkuk 1.5, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. If we look at what God has done and is doing, we will be amazed, but so many times we are, we're obfuscating what God has done and what he is doing. Um, you know, how often are we amazed by a coincidence, right? There's... Mm-hmm. So something happens and we go, man, that was, it was really great. And, and, we, and a lot of times we'll say, well, you know, God, God provided the right thing at the right time. We should be amazed at that. Do you really believe that? Yes. Is the first question. Yes. Do you really believe that? Yeah. I think it's just some, sometimes it's just something to say rather than something to be believed and to internalize and realize just how incredible God is mm-hmm. when he does those kinds of things. Right. And so I, I, I think, and I think one day when it, when it talks about the, these words, utterly amazed, I love um, because I, I always think about the book of Revelation. Why is the book of Revelation? For me, the book of Revelation is hard to read mm-hmm. because the the visions that it paints are really strange. Right. Mm-hmm. And in our eyes, we don't we don't we kind of don't get it. But the truth is, is when Christ comes back. We can't describe it. No. We we don't know what it's gonna. It's, it's gonna be utterly amazing, and so you you couldn't describe it if you wanted to. Yeah, it, it's funny you say that. We're actually that's that's the ch- that's the chapter that we're going through as a family right now, and we're doing it a little bit different this time. We've we've went through Revelations of Family before, but this time uh, I've got my big. Um, I guess it's I should know. It's I think it's Thomas Nelson commentary. Yeah, we're 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 reading. We're not. We're, usually, we go a chapter at a time every night, but we're breaking it down into sections, so bite-sized sections, and we're reading the commentary at the same time and really breaking it down. And, That's and cool. it's it's funny how in the commentary it talks about how there's things that we have seen before, all of us, that we say it's indescribable. We that that word's used a lot, but there are really things that we've seen before that we have a hard time describing. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's something you, you know, I'm thinking of things I've seen in the woods before and you're like, well, I think it was a bobcat, but maybe it was a coyote and I'm trying to explain it. And that's, that's what John was doing in Revelation. It's like he saw these visions, but he's never seen this stuff before. So it's like, it's like trying to describe something that you obscurely saw in the woods, me trying to describe that to you and you're sitting there going, 
I have no idea what you're trying to say. I know what it looks like. <laughs> right. But trying to get you to understand it is hard to do. So if you yep. put yourself in John's shoes, Revelations makes a little more sense. It does. By yeah. some of the words that he uses, what you're thinking, that's just crazy. But if I was trying to describe that thing I saw in the woods, it probably sounds crazy because yeah. I can't paint that picture for you. That's right. Yeah. Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. That's a new living translation in case you're trying to follow along at home. Um, it's kind of a looser translation, but I like that translation. Um, and I didn't I never looked at this in the the i never looked at this as a running verse necessarily but it's it's interesting back in that day it made me think about this back in that day messages were a big deal sure. if you wanted to send a message back in that day particularly one that was written it was a big deal mm -hmm. you know nowadays messages it's all i gotta do is pull my phone out of my pocket and i can send a message to somebody all the way around the world mm -hmm. in a matter of seconds yeah you know i texted my nephew he lives in indonesia now yeah. And a few weeks ago, I sent him a, a text message. And you're right. Back in these days, I sent it, and it was there in three seconds, and he responded to me. Yeah. Back in these days, that would have been years. Yeah. Years to get that message to him. That's right. That's right. So we have this problem because back in that day, when when a message uh, when a message came to you back then it was clear this was important because look at all the preparation that went into preparing and getting that thing sent to you well nowadays because there's so many messages and they're coming at us from all angles i mean think about all the different ways you can get a message these days it's not just text message it's there's a million different ways which ones are important and which ones are not that that is the hardest thing to figure out these days is which messages are important hmm. um, because we know even in the bible back in the day there were false prophets the bible talks about there being false prophets right and so when we get messages we get false messages mm -hmm. some of them we should listen to and some of them we shouldn't back in that day you know the there were people that people should listen to and others that they shouldn't listen to and how did you know which ones were which and of course all that hinges on how close are we to to god sure how is our relationship with him question have you ever gotten tired of doing a good thing we've all done that right mm -hmm. um gosh you know there's there's a lot of things that i do you know sometimes Sometimes I think it would be great if somebody else would teach our Sunday school class, you know? I mean, it, it, it's every week you got to prepare for that, and it's I love it. I, I love it, and that's why I'm still doing it, because I love it. But every once in a while, it's like, that's one more thing i got to yeah. get ready for and, and got to get got to do, And but it's a good thing, Yeah. right? And sometimes we get tired of the, the responsibilities that we have. You know, I did a, I did a rare thing this, this Saturday. I went rafting. Mm -hmm. with a youth group at the, at the church well that took up almost the entire day mm -hmm. and um now i feel like i'm behind and i can't get caught back up you know because i took half of my day and applied it to something that was fun yeah and not and that's bad when we get to that point right but but we get there we get there when we, because we get we get we get tired we get weary 
but that's okay. That's that's okay. I think that's what we're we're called to do. We're called to do hard things and then and take it to God when we get tired and weary, yeah. and He'll give us the strength. You know, I was talking, not talking. We we started a uh, family discipleship class yesterday morning at our church, and it's it's really cool. It's kind of like a run for God class in that, you know, there was there was people seventy years old, and then we had um, we didn't have any high schoolers. We had a college age in there, so it was. It was all ages, but oh, it's a cool. family discipleship class. And and Thomas, who's teaching it, he said, you know, I'm going to be talking, I'm going to be coming at this from a how to deal with your kids standpoint. He said, but even if you don't have kids, these principles are are the same. You mm-hmm. know, it could be with a friend or it could be with a coworker or whatever, but I'm going to be. Anyway, he said, and he, when we read through this last night, I said, you know, what Thomas said really applies here because he was talking about, um, indoctrination of kids mm. and how we use that as a bad term nowadays. Yeah. Is, and so many parents nowadays, they don't want to indoctrinate their kids. And he said, I don't, I don't know how we've gotten here. He said, but you should absolutely be indoctrinating your kids because your kids will be indoctrinated. That's right. Whether you're doing it, and he said, so many parents, their kids get into high school, and they say, "We want to let them make their own decisions. We we want to let them choose which path they." And this is from a spiritual standpoint. We want to let them choose, and they kind of get hands off. And he said, "But those same parents come Saturday morning, they will say, you need to get your Georgia Bulldogs gear on because it's game day.' Yeah, you know. And it's like you better not wear orange in this house on game." He said, "So the point is." We need to be as passionate about driving our kids towards Jesus as we are about so many other things. Yeah. But so many times, parents they go hands off there, and that can you can get weary there. Yeah. I get it. I mean, they mm-hmm. get to high school, and there's so many other forces pulling at them that it gets hard. Yeah. It gets really hard. But that's where you've almost got to double down even more because it's a it's the fight. Who was it made the comment? Um, it said it's the it's the race to the heart of a child. The first one that gets there wins. Yeah, I don't remember who said that, but I remember. I want to say it. it was Kaz that said yeah. that. I think uh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. That and and that race is not always won when they're little. That's right. It's to get to get to that heart and secure it. Sometimes it's it's on up into those years where. They're fighting you on these things, and they're making excuses, and they've got other things coming at them, and that can get very tiring. Yeah. Now, take that same stance and apply it to another family member or a coworker or an acquaintance or a friend. The same thing applies. It can get hard to try to win that person to Christ, but that doesn't mean we should give up. We shouldn't get we're we're going to get weary. But we should take it to God to be that's right rejuvenated. Good point. Another question: How do you make time not to to not just talk, but listen to the Lord for His plans and purposes? That's always the hardest thing, right? To again to be still, to find time to do nothing, mm-hmm. as as you always like to say. Um, it's hard for, and as a runner, I think that's you have this tendency to want to drive all the time. And that's 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 the 
that's the talking part right mm -hmm. so I, I, if i want to get something done i just go do it i go get that thing done and so it's really hard sometimes to slow down enough to not do that and you know running is is good for this because uh, now you want to be careful you don't get you don't go too far but running is really good at keeping us calm and getting us to a point where we have to slow down we, we have to slow our mind down at least mm -hmm. right and it, it gives us time to let, let open up our mind while we go out and run again you don't want that to be your quiet time sure um, but it is good for additional quiet time mm -hmm. so that that's a good thing you know thomas said something also yesterday in that that uh that discipleship class he was kind of talking about this very thing, and he said, we need to learn to do less of, he said, identify the things that frustrate you about society. Identify what those are. And then f identify the things that amaze you about God. He said, because everybody, the answer is different. And as he was talking through this, I realized mine is nature. You know, I... I've talked about I can go deer hunting and sit in the woods and, and see the world come to life. And that's just amazing. The, the sunrises and the sunsets. And But for some people, he even said, he said one of his things is watching people run who are good at it. Yeah. He said, even if that person is not a Christian running, he said their ability is obvious. It's obvious that it's God given. And that amazes me about God watching that person run, even though that person may be lost as the day is long. Yeah, we need to identify what amazes us about God and do more of that. Identify the things that frustrates about society and do less of that. Mm. But the crazy thing is, we reverse it. Yeah, we do. The thing that frustrates me about society is watching the news. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I probably watch the news more than I read my Bible, and that is wrong. Yeah, and that is opposite. It's opposite what he says. Yeah, uh, social media. Yeah. How many times do we put down the phone from looking at our social media and going, man, that was so uplifting? We <laughs> don't. Right. We don't. No. We put our phone down and we're like, I'm never. I, how many times have I taken social media off my phone? Yeah. Because of that very reason. So yeah. we need to do more of the things that reveal what amazes us about God, do less of the things that frustrates us about society. But there again, up is down, down is up north to south i mean it's our society has gotten everything so backwards and we fall into that trap mm. well that's a mouthful last question has your faith ever been tested to the point of questioning your direction in life has anybody not been there at some point in time you at some point in time we all question whether or not um our faith is strong enough or, or what we believe and how fervently we believe whatever it is we believe uh, I think we've all gotten to that point where we cry out to God and wonder, where am I? Where am I going? What is this all about? Um, and, and am I faithful enough? Mm -hmm. Am I worthy? And then, of course, the answer to that is no. But, the, you know, the, the, the other answer is he has he made a way. Mm -hmm. And it, it's so simple sometimes. And yet, again, we make it complicated. And I'm going to share a story next week kind of along those lines where we just we complicate things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's really simple when we question our faith, go back to the basics and God will reveal the truth to us. I call these the sitting in the church in the middle of the day times. Yeah. You know, I, I've talked about some some heavy situations in my past where I found myself sitting in the church in the middle of the day with nobody there with the lights off. 
crying out to God. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know if we talked about that. I, I couldn't remember if we talked about this on a previous podcast, but you and I listened to a podcast on a road trip here a while back. And the gentleman that was that was speaking, he was actually preaching in a church, and he said he got to a point in his life where everything was just falling apart and the wheels were coming off and he cried out to God and he said, God, just take this away from me. And he said, as audibly as probably I've ever heard God before say, he said, why would I do that? (laughs) We haven't been this close in years. And man, that is so convicting because when do we go to the church in the middle of the day with the lights off? When things aren't going so well. When things aren't going so well. What if we did that when things were going well? Mm. What if we did that? Might we have less of those times where the wheels are rolling? I don't know. But it's probable. But it makes sense to me. Yeah. But we, we, when things are good, we, we don't, we, we, we blow by the church at 60 miles an hour. It's true. In the middle of the day. So true. But we, Sometimes we need to turn that blinker on and pull in. I think that would help a lot. Wow, great point. Would you like to experience the Bible in a different way than you've ever done before? Well, you can join me, Coach Dean, as I read through the entire Bible every day for a full year. You don't want to miss hearing this transplanted Southern boy try to pronounce those biblical names now, do you? It may be good for a laugh. In addition, I share running and walking tips and some inspirational quotes along the way. Get your daily dose of the Bible from a runner's perspective in the Run for God Run Club Walk Through the Bible. You must be a member of the Run Club to get access. So if you're not a member, join today. If you are a member, just find a Walk Through the Bible under the Nationwide Challenge so what if a doctor said to a runner you need to stop running marathons and stick to 5k's it's bad for your heart i have to get a second opinion (laughs) of course and you could substitute you know whether it's your heart or your knees or it's any other part of your body um there's a lot of non-running doctors that try to talk runners down from from doing what they do um well i guess the question is i mean yes my first thought is well my first thought is find another doctor Mm -hmm. um I've done that before. I've had a doctor one time tell me back when I was young, said, you, you just need, you don't need to be running. It's mm-hmm. bad. It's bad for your knees. And I'm like, I don't like that answer. I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> Nothing to back it up at that time, but you just knew you didn't like it. That's right. That's right. Yep. Uh, so, but here's why I want to talk about this. Uh, you know, as with anything, moderation is important. Um, you know, we just talked about it a little bit ago about how Americans eat too much. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just not good at moderation we're so bad with moderation um most people aren't too close to that edge from a running standpoint most people do do running in moderation um i guess if i'm thinking of moderation i think the 35 to 40 miles a week to me is moderate Mm -hmm. for some people that would be a lot and i think it all depends on the intensity that you do something so you know if i run if i run 40 miles at eight minute pace that's probably about equal to maybe 35 miles at 10 minute pace. You know, it's 
it, there's a there's a speed and distance time kind of formula there that I'm sure somebody could figure out that tells you what's kind of equivalent. Um, but here's the thing: when you get up too much and you do too much of anything, there there's a law of diminishing returns that mm. kicks in. Um, And I think that's what happens with running. I think that at some point in time, there's a law of diminishing returns. Now, here's back back to that question that was asked. If if you're running marathons just to get in shape and have better doctor's visits, you're you're going the wrong way. That's not a good reason to run a marathon because Mm -hmm. it is too much right for that. Now, if you're doing it because I want to check off something hard on a checklist and I just I've always wanted to do one or I just love doing them and I love the feeling and I just love running. That's there's a lot of good reasons to run a marathon, but it's not I'm going to get in shape to run, you know, just and that's that's going to get me to to where I want to be as far as shape goes. So running a marathon is tough on your body. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just is you. You and I both felt that in a pretty Mm -hmm. profound way. And so you, you just have to have good reasons for, for why you do what you do. And if a doctor tells you you're doing too much, um, that you don't need to run as much as you do, just evaluate what's, what's the trade-off. Sure. So for me, I run seven days a week. There's a lot of doctors, not just doctors, a lot of physical therapists, a lot of people in general who would tell you, you shouldn't run seven days a week. It's not good for you. I don't care because here's the thing. I know what the consequences are, sure. right? I, I understand the consequences. And that's all I'm saying is whether you do too much or too little of something, understand what the consequences are. Right. And in my case, I know what the consequences of doing a, a little too much is and I'm okay with it and I'll, I'm, I'm fine with them. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you're, you're right. It's, it's the idea of, well, you eat too much. So you go the opposite way and you eat nothing. Well, that's that's wrong that's bad for you yep it's finding that happy median that works for you for some people you know 1500 calories a day is is what they want to do and it, and it works for them but for some people it's a runner it may be 4000 calories a day and that is the happy median the, i think the point you're making is you got to find what works for you yep and and sometimes we got to quieten the, the inputs that we've talked about before yep and you want to listen to your doctor, but you don't, you know, you want exactly, to realize yeah. you, you've got, you've got input into that as well. Right. right. All right. It's time for Dean's thoughts. That's a time when I share something I've written about the intersection between running and faith. Have you ever heard the phrase, the game is not worth the candle? I hadn't heard it until recently. I thought it was a pretty cool saying. So this one's called the game is not worth the candle. Way back in 1580, French writer Michael de Montaigne used the phrase, the game is not worth the candle. Back in those days, candles were fairly expensive items, and as it is today, gamblers seemed to prefer doing their thing in the dark of night. In that day, the participants had to pay for their illumination to be able to see what they were doing. If the stakes were not high enough to pay for their lighting, the game was not worth the money to pay for the candles. The game was not worth the candle. We have those same choices today, though it may take much different forms. For example, I'm not a big fan of crowds. Consequently, I don't go to many concerts. For me, the game, seeing the concert, is not worth the candle, dealing with the crowd. With a little imagination, you can see many circumstances to which you could apply this phrase. We don't use it much these days, but it's very descriptive. 
For some people, running is the game and the difficulty level of the activity is the candle. They're just not willing to pay the price of suffering a little for what they see as little payback. To all of those people who say, if you see me running, someone, if you see me running, someone is chasing me, the game is not worth the candle. But I want to push back a little on those naysayers. You see, the problem is that their perceptions are all wrong. While it makes sense that they want to avoid using the candle, I don't think most people fully appreciate the benefit. Let me go back to the concert analogy. I have loved the group Rush since I was in high school. One of the three members died a few years ago. What if, by a miracle, I could go see them one last time? Would I be willing to endure the crowd? You better believe it. That cost would be nothing compared to what the payoff would be. I feel like most people just don't understand the benefit of running or walking enough to pay the price. The other problem lies in the game itself. Back in the days of poker games, entrance to the game had to pay the price whether they won or not. The harsh reality was that they could walk up to the game and lose all of their money. But they also had a chance of winning. A lot of people may look at diet and exercise as if it's a poker game. In their minds, there may be a benefit, but it's not guaranteed. And to make their point, they refer to Jim Fix, the runner-writer who died while out on a run one day. But here's the thing. You may not reap all the benefits of running or walking, but your chances are far greater uh, to than the guy entering that poker game. The vast majority can substantially feel the benefits after just a month or two. Our walk with Christ comes with a big price tag. Sure, the gift of Jesus is freely given to all who accept his death and resurrection as atonement for their sins, but it doesn't stop there. The Bible tells us to pick up our cross and follow him. That doesn't sound free, but the game is worth the candle. Living a life for Christ will be worth the cost whether the benefit comes in blessings while we're in this world or the reward of heaven at the end of this life. The game is absolutely worth the candle. As humans, we're always going to count the cost before doing anything. It is the prudent thing to do. Just make sure you understand the benefit before you decide whether or not you're going to take a place at the table. That's a great story, Dean. You know, I can, I can, obviously I can feel the benefits of running and I want other people to feel it too. And so, um, I think the reason why people don't think it's worth it is because they never get to that point where they're in good enough shape to feel it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? A lot of people, like if somebody does the 5k challenge class, they're going to get improved fitness and they're going to get better, mm -hmm. but I don't know that it's quite enough to feel the full benefits. Of, mm -hmm. of running you know and so i want everybody to feel that mm -hmm. because i feel like if people felt that people would be more willing to do it and um i don't know how you get people to that point though. you know i think i think i think this is where personalities preferences come into play i don't know why when you were reading that i was going back to thomas's talk sunday morning about find the things that amaze you about god you know because I, I think about i i mean i look at running and walking the same way Mm -hmm. Not to the extent that you do, but I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. But I also, I also, to me, getting up at five and o'clock in the morning and going and climbing in a stand 30 minutes before daylight is worth the candle. Yeah. I know the benefit of it. It's, it's not the deer. It's not the, 
the deer that I have the opportunity of taking, it's seeing the world come to life. So mm. to me, but for you, you would say, it's not worth it. Even though this is going to be the year where I get you out there. <laughs> I'm going to make this happen. But I think, I think your analogy here is valid on many different things. Right. Well, you say that. Yeah. But it's 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 finding those things where you see God at work. Because let's be honest, you you've talked about how you're you're kinda like Eric Little. You you feel the presence of God when you run. You feel mm-hmm. that that's what God's gifted you to do. And that's where we really get into our sweet spot. Yeah. Is when we know God has you doing this or in this place or sitting in this place or being in this atmosphere, you know God's got you there. Yeah. That's those 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 games that we play that are worth the candle in the spiritual realm, those are the things that we need to do more of. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a great, great yeah. story, dude. Yeah, it's a good point. I've seen a little bit of, I, you know what I love is I love it when somebody, somebody just picks up running for I, one girl in particular. I remember she, we did a class at the place where I used to work. We had 30 something people that went through the class and there's one girl who is still running today mm-hmm. and she loves it and it's it's her thing and i just uh, i love to watch somebody who kind of grabs a hold of it and, and and i just it's it's a lot of fun to watch that happen because mm-hmm. i've seen a lot of the other other side too sure you know, some people will try it for a week or two and then they they put it down because it's like i i don't want to do that well i mean but we got to be honest it's not for everybody yeah yeah you know for some people it may be something else and there's that's why you know, people have joked through the years. They say, you need to start a whatever for God. Yeah. And my answer is always the same. Yeah, that would be awesome. You need you, to do that. Yeah. Because that what they're saying is their sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And that's where the Run for God ministry, that, that came out of my sweet spot. But... It's why there's so many. It's why I love to see all the different ministries. Yeah. Because those ministries, while, you know, I'm sure there's a, a sow for God out there. Yeah. A sowing ministry. That That is not where I see the awe of God. Right. But for some people, it could be. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm able to create this thing and bring it to life. And it started from thread and... God has given me that ability. I see that. I get that. And that's why that's why ministry is so important. It's meeting people where they are in, in, in those moments where they can see God. And yeah. that's what I, I love about this ministry is because we hear it every day. Just like Michelle's story, she sees the hand of God in doing this hard thing. And Amen. I don't know. Good stuff. While you're working hard to keep your body in shape physically, the music you listen to while you run can help keep you in shape spiritually. We've partnered with J Radio to put together a group of running playlists by Dean, Lane, Holly, myself, and others that you hear here on the Run For God podcast. Plus, you can listen to a playlist put together by members of Run Club just like you. Check out the whole station of Run For God playlist at jradio.com and in the J Radio app. All right, every week I share a reason why running or walking is so awesome. And this week, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but if you live in the United States, you are probably 
at least a little better than most people in the country with the metric system. That is true. Right? Because yeah. we, we know what a kilometer is. Right. Most people are, you know, they have no idea what a kilometer is. But we know what a 5K is. We know it's 3.1 miles. And so we can make that conversion mm-hmm. way better than the average person in the United States can. So I think that's pretty cool. We know that there's 1,600 meters in a mile and that there, you know, a, a kilometer is six-tenths of a mile. And so that's pretty cool. Now, it doesn't extend to other measurements. You know, mm-hmm. we still don't know what a kilogram is for the most part, most people. <laughs> um, but do you get tripped up when it's a 7K? You know, we know 5K is 3.1 miles. And just for those of you out there who may not know, this is my rule of thumb. This is not exact. So don't don't send me emails saying, well, that's not right. Yeah. So a 7K would be 4.2 miles, roughly. You take whatever the number is of the K and multiply it times six, and that's going to get you a 5K times six oh, is three good. miles. So that's just take good. that number, and that's going to get you close. It's not exact, so don't send me hate mail. But that is that is my rule of thumb is just take the number and multiply it times six, and that's going to get you within a tenth or so. That's pretty. I need to put that on the, the Bible uh, tips of the day. That's a pretty good tip. I like that. So how do, how have you always done it? I just know it's you six, just know it. I just know I'm a kilometer six tenths of a mile. So I guess that's what I do in my head, it but is. I never it's really. Just th- a different way I just never it, thought yeah. about it. I thought, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yep. Oh, you know we we drink one liter bottles, so we know what that is. the The one that trips me up more than any other though is temperature, right? I mean, oh yeah, I Celsius versus uh, that's all. When Tom and Val were here, that's they were talking in Celsius. And oh my has, goodness, I can't do the zero is. Zero is not Zero freezing. is 32. Zero yeah. is way below freezing, and you shouldn't be outside. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this past week, there was, uh, there was a controversy. Uh, Noah Lyles, he's the 100-meter world champion, um, and he, he made this comment. He said that track championships are true world championships. NBA basketball calls its winner – the world champion, World Series, world champion, you know, the NFL winner, they call themselves world champions. But the truth is, is that he, what he was basically saying is those aren't true world championships. The major leagues is just the United States. And yes, it is the best league in the world, but it's still not everybody in the world. And in track, you get all the best people in the world to run. It's a good point. It's a good point, but it, obviously you can. I can see the it's look just on one your of face. those points you just don't say out loud. I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Noah Lyles. Yeah, of course, you know him. He'll, he'll say it in a way that's a little endearing. Um, one of, and and he, he got a, a response from Giannis. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm not even sure how to say this guy's name. He's an NBA guy though, um, and he said I wanted to back him up so bad. He received so much backlash for stating the obvious. I don't think in any other sport you're called the world championships. In soccer, which is way bigger than the NBA and more popular than the NBA, the UEFA Champions Champions League, champions don't call themselves world championships. World champions. When they win the World Cup, they play against the USA team. They play against teams around the world. You know, countries around the world. Then they say world champs. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... I just think it's – I thought it was an interesting controversy anyway. Um, I can't believe it rose to the level of controversy, though. I mean, that's – Well, you know, I mean, this guy's got a lot of social media followers, sure. and he's a world I champion. I anything so. can be controversial. Yeah, it really yeah. can. It really can. But 
I, I still think I think he's right. I mean, I think there's a good point. You know, a, a good example is baseball. You know, this last year they had the World Baseball Championships and they had all these countries from all over the world. The United States didn't win. Yeah. You know, we, we claim that we have the best league and, and I, I absolutely believe that we do. Yeah. But Japan beat us. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, growing up or when, when Lane was growing up, we, we kind of made the joke of, you know, you have – you have a team and they say they're Little League World Champions. Well, there's 37 different ways of skinning <laughs> that cat yeah. of where everybody – but, you know, Lane – because Lane always said, you know, there's there's one USA triathlon. And if you're national champion, you're national champion. It's there's true. not there's not 50 different mm-hmm. organiza- governing bodies That's right. to go by. Um, so I, I get his – I get his – comment but you know some things are just best left unsaid sometimes. well i think what i like the most about this is it got track and field in the spotlight and got talked about by people who are not track and field There's fans no bad publicity yeah thing. yeah yeah so like i kind of liked it from that standpoint so i think that's what noah lyles was trying to accomplish so we had our diamond league fi- finals um this past weekend mm-hmm. which is the that's the the most prestigious I watched every track and field. minute of it yeah all, there's only four no, I really there's did. only four hours of it you couldn't <laughs> um and there were some interesting things that happened Gudolf Sagai um she is an Ethiopian she set the world record for the women's 5k 14 flat 14 flat point two. wow yes <laughs> that's impressive my goodness i still i'm still just amazed by that um it was it was a great race uh there was um a a lady that was right behind her pushing her the whole way um who also finished almost she was right near the the old world record which was 1405 so great run by good officer guy she's another one of those who's um, ubiquitous on the running scene we see her all the time pole vault a new pole vault record um was also set and of course, he has set, uh, Amando Duplantis has set a number of world records, but that was cool. And then maybe my most, the most impressive thing, I, I say that, uh, the the 5K record is probably the most impressive thing, but the one that interested me the most was that uh, Yared Nagus set the American record in the mile. Mm-hmm. So the American record in the mile has been 346. He ran 343, uh, which is crazy fast. I mean, he was less than a second off the world record. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's pretty impressive. And what's funny about this is back in the winter, you know, I, I was, we, we interviewed Alan Webb Mm -hmm. and I spent a lot of time with Alan Webb and Alan Webb was, he predicted it. He said, Jared Nagus would break his record this, this year. Yeah. And yeah, that's how I found out about it is I saw Alan's post congratulating him about it. But yeah, I mean, to me, the, the, it's not the funny part of it. Lane come up telling me about it. And he said that Engelbretson, you know, who actually won the race, they were yeah. interviewing him before saying that the goose was wanting to break the world record. And Engelbretson said, well, if he'll just stick right behind me, he'll break the American <laughs> yeah. record. I thought, I mean, it's true, but it's so arrogant, you know. He but, says stuff like that all the time. Yeah. We've and, talked about him more than once on here. And but, I mean, you can't argue with his ability. I mean, he was results. less than a second from the world record. I think, did Lane say that one he he has the third fastest time now and but one two and three are all within like seven tenths of a second yeah. of each other yeah something like that yeah so. there was a third and fourth fastest time so you have to think you know because when engelbritson lane showed me the video when he finished he didn't look gassed at all 
He I never mean, does. But you know, it's less than less than seven tenths of a second. It's like, you know, what it. That could yeah. be anything. Yeah. It's amazing that those records fall just that razor thin when it you're is. talking about a, you know, uh, an event that's that long, four yeah. laps around a track. There's so many things that. Yeah. That's it's, interesting. It's pretty cool. And then Grant Fisher the next day, um, by the way, Britson also won the 3K the next day mm-hmm. by a hundredth of a second. Um, but. Grant Fisher set the American record in the 3K the next day. He finished uh, third in the 3K. So uh, that was pretty impressive because Grant Fisher hasn't had a great year. Um, he's been injured and had some other problems. And so it was good to see him finish a year off really well. So hopefully that bodes well for him in the Olympics next year. That's what I'm hoping. And, you know, with the goose, I mean, who knows? Uh, you know, a little, just a little bit more and maybe he beats – uh, Ingerbritsen. I mean, that, he and Ingerbritsen were. I mean, this was a world class field, and they were a full three or four seconds ahead of mm-hmm. the next runners. I mean, they yeah. were way out in front of them. So uh, that was pretty cool. All right. Well, here's a cool story. There's a guy in Massachusetts who they're claiming now is the biggest cross country fan ever. His name is Mike Mahan. Um, and Here's the beginning of an article from uh, Jonathan Galt in Let's Run. He said, um, Mike Mahan uh, headed to, on September 7th, 1985, Mike Mahan headed to Franklin Park in Boston to watch the Northeast Cross Country Invitational. 23 years old and infatuated with the sport, 1985 was the year Mahan went from fan to superfan and started logging his meets. It was the first of 37 races Mahan would attend that fall. But even after that prolific inaugural season, uh, Mahan had no idea he'd still be at it nearly four decades later, later, shouting the following words to unsuspecting parents. Welcome to my 2000th career cross-country meet. Thanks for coming. Hmm. That's crazy, isn't it? That it kind of well, I mean, when you said biggest cross country fan, I my mind immediately goes to your old high school coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He shows up at all kinds of meets. He does. He does. Well, this guy, he um, he's a big fan of the Canadian Football League. He owns over sixty custom jerseys and wears one to every meet he attends. The name and number are always the same. Impala thirty three. I don't know what the significance of that is. Tuesday's jersey was one Mahan has never worn before, a gray and navy blue Montreal Alouettes jersey from the mid-2010s. Ronnie James, the Alouettes equipment manager at the time, sent Mahan this jersey back in 2015, and Mahan promised he would save it for a special occasion. Meet number 2000 certainly qualifies. Man, 2,000 meets across 38 seasons, an average of more than 52 meets per year. Wow. That is particularly impressive when you consider cross-country. It's a fall sport. It's only done in the fall. Uh, So that's just uh, incredible. Um, He doesn't drive. Um, He has reached almost every meet by some combination of bicycle and or public transportation. Um, And meet 2,000 was easy. It's a two-mile bike ride from his Framingham home. The, uh, the journey to meet number 1998 Saturday MT, MSTCA relays in Attleboro was trickier. To ensure Mahan made the 26-mile journey on time, he left his apartment at midnight on Friday, stopping a few times along the way. He was in Attleboro by 
6.30 a.m., two and a half hours early for the first race of the day. Over the years, Mahan has biked thousands of miles to cheer on tens of thousands of runners while collecting hundreds of thousands of cans, which he redeems at Framingham Liquors to find to fund his year-end banquet, a rollicking gathering where Mahan hands out dozens of awards and a catered meal to the best runners in the Metro West area. Most banquets end with one of Mahan's famous phrases, and that was quite an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. So on August 8th, Mahan's bike was stolen uh, while he was shopping at CVS. The timing was not great. Cross-country season was just a few weeks away, and no bike equals no cross-country. Within days, a GoFundMe had raised $2,345 for a replacement, a black and green specialized model that Mahan proudly displayed on Tuesday. (laughs) What a great story. It is. That's just, uh, again, we go back to the the passion. I just love to see people that have passion about something. You mentioned Coach Westbrook. He's... He has such a passion for running and runners and, and trying to be helpful. So and, I know we see him at a lot of meets, yeah. but I just, I've just i always assumed that the days we're not seeing him, he's at some other meet. Does, does he do that? Does he go to a meet? He shows up with Tryon, the Tryon High School. Oh, he, he, he so was, that's why we see yes. him intermittently. Yeah, he, he, he has a house in Tryon that his daughter lives at, where his mother Well, I knew lived. that. And, but uh, I didn't know. So does he have some kind of relationship with the school? He just supports the school. It's the hmm. high school he went to, and so he still supports I it. didn't know that part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That so, makes more sense. Now. So he show, the ones you see him at very often are the trying ones there. that are trying. Okay, that makes that And, makes of course, he used sense. to – But show, still, yeah. he doesn't have to go to these meets. No. He doesn't have a kid or a grandkid there. Well, those aren't the only ones. I mean, he'll show up for the SEC championship. He'll, yeah. You know, he goes to the ACC championship. Of course, Alan Drosky, the Georgia Tech coach, is his – was his athlete back in yeah. the day. And so he, he shows, and he would show up at some of our Georgia Tech meet, uh, Georgia Tech meets. He would show up at some of our Dalton State meets, mm. um, you know, just to be supportive of people he knows. Sure. He has coached a lot of people who have be- become coaches over the years. Yeah. So he has a lot of meets to go to just to support his old runners. That's a, he's got a legacy. He sure. sure does. Yep. All right. How about a trivia question for this week? There was a running boom in the 1970s in many countries in the world. It was most pronounced in the USA. What event is credited with kicking off the running boom of the 1970s in the USA? Do you know the answer to that one? No. Oh, well, if you know the answer to that one, you can send it to dean at runforgod.com. And if you're the first person to answer, you will win $20 off in the Run For God store. So I feel like I should know that. You should know that. You absolutely should know that one. I thought that was a really easy question, I'll so I'm very surprised. I'll have to think about it. Yeah, I'm going yeah. to have to. Yeah, maybe you'll figure it out. Well, we'll leave you with this motivational thought of the week. It comes from Pablo Picasso. He said, inspiration exists, but it has to find you working. <laughs> That's a good point, right? Uh, you can find very motiv- well put statement. Yeah, you can find motivation to get out there and run or walk, but you have to be willing to meet that motivation halfway, right? Sure. If you want to do it. All right, that's 183 episodes. We so appreciate everybody out there who listens faithfully and comes back every week to listen to us ramble about running and faith. And we just hope that God uses us in a way sure. that uh, that can be uplifting to Him. But also, hopefully, we learn a little bit about running along the way as well. So, until next week, may God bless every step of every run and or walk.
<laughs> go out there and shine your light. Great job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.